As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Welcome to 5000 to 1, the Athletics Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me as ever is former Leicester City captain and our resident pundit, Matt Elliott. How you doing, Matt? Very good, Rob. Even better now. Leicester are top of the table, aren't they? I know. Unbelievable stuff, isn't it? Or is it that unbelievable? Uh, plenty to talk about, as ever. Yeah, absolutely, mate. And we'll uh, we'll get into that shortly. But I just want to introduce a special guest today, one of our more revered of the Athletics writers, Stuart James, former professional footballer as well, Stuart, at Swindon Town. You know your onions. Yeah, not for long, though. Um, <laughs> it, was a, it was a brief career, only three years at Swindon. Certainly nothing like uh, Matt's career, obviously. But... Uh, yeah, uh, thank you very much for having me on, Rob, and uh, you know, and, and Matt. Really, uh, really delighted to be part of it. Wonderful. Well, let's kick off with the the victory over Chelsea. Matt, you were there at the ground with me last night. That was very impressive stuff from from Leicester City from Brendan's guys to go top like that. There's a lot of pressure on them. There's a lot of questions about you know when the chips are really down, can they deliver the big results? That was a decent result tonight, but also a very convincing performance. Yeah, standout performance, wasn't it? Probably. The performance, certainly at home, at the King Power Stadium of the season. They looked good in all areas of their play, didn't they? You know, both sides of the game. And that was the difference between them and Chelsea. Both sides packed with quality. And it had all the ingredients you know, of a good match-up in the build-up. People were you know, putting Harvey Barnes up against Reese James. And, you know, the midfield confrontation with which Leicester came out on top in, in, in both departments but uh, all over the pitch top class performers two very good teams but Leicester came out deserved winners because uh, I thought Chelsea were were okay in their general play but uh, in terms of the downright and dirty side of the game in terms of defensive application they were a million miles off and Leicester capitalized and probably should have uh, managed to Score a few more goals, possibly, but um, you know could have finished the game off earlier. But all in all, what a performance! Especially when you know, the spotlight was on them as well. There was the incentive of of going to the top of the league. Okay, it's only halfway through the season, but when they really needed to, they delivered, and that hasn't always been the case against the top sides. And their record against the in brackets top six this season, Liverpool apart, has been mighty fine, and that's a big improvement on last season. 
Well, absolutely. I mean, they spent um, a quarter of a billion pounds on that Chelsea side and it was chock full of attacking talent. Didn't seem to have much of a clue defensively, but, uh, you know, there was plenty of talent on that pitch. But you could see the difference between the two sides and where they're at in their progression and where they're, how they're developed. And the irony being that this Leicester side has been slowly rebuilt uh, since the title winning season with £110 million worth of Chelsea's money as well with the players that they've sold to Stamford Bridge. But you certainly saw... In Leicester, a more rounded side than Chelsea, a more complete side, a more balanced side in terms of the defensive side of the game with Nididi uh, patrolling just in front of that back four. And then you've got the attacking talents. And Stu, we're going to talk in a minute about James Madison with you as well. But he, he epitomised uh, much of that that balance as well because he's not only added uh, other areas to his game at the moment, defensively as well, he was dropping in in the first half, playing as a number eight alongside Tielemans. It was a shuffle of the pack. But also, you know, as we're seeing now, he's starting to to add uh, add some goals. In fact, Stu, I'll tell you, let's have a listen to a post-match interview that uh, Madison gave to Sky after the game, where he explained, really, the changes in his game. We played Sheffield United earlier in the season, and I watch, always watch the games back, and, and Jamie Carragher said in, in commentary that he needs to get his numbers up, James Madison, if he wants to be challenging for the England spots and, 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 and being talked about in the same bracket as others. He needs to get his numbers up, and... Me, the gaffer and, and Jack, the analyst, um, sat down. Jack will be buzzing that I've name-dropped him. Um, sat down and looked at where I can get more goals and uh, playing a bit deeper. And I was a number eight today and little things like breaking into the box, getting beyond that last line and really almost smelling where, where the ball is going to drop. It's not, an easy, it's, not an easy, it's not an easy thing to do. And Frank Lampard was the best at it, of arriving late and scoring goals. And that's what I did today. And... Mark Albright and I seen him get his head up and, and I just kind of drifted drifted onto the back line and that's something that I'll keep improving on scoring goals because everyone wants numbers and I want numbers because I want goals and assists I want everyone talking about me so um, that's a part of my game that I'm looking to improve on and, and I'm getting good return here at the minute yeah. Are Leicester City genuine contenders? I'm going to have to be boring my answer and say why, well, why not? Why not go the other way? Say yeah Because then you can get sidetracked I think we need to just because we're top of the table at the minute because we don't think like that um, <laughs> And listen, we, we the next game is boring. It is, and I'm sorry I have to say it, Jeff. But the, the most important game is the next game, and it was Southampton last week, and it was Chelsea this week, and then it's Brentford in the FA Cup. And as cliche as it is, that's how we've got to work, and that's why we're top of the table because we have that mentality, and that's where we want to be. We're not we're not up there by fluke. We're up there because we work hard. And listen, people might talk about the Uniteds, the Liverpools, and Tottenham's or whatever, but let's let them talk. We'll, we'll do we'll do our business in the back, we'll do our business in the background. Um, and come the end of the season, hopefully will give us a chance of being right up there. Nice feeling though, isn't it? Yeah, brilliant. I'll probably go and check the table when I go in there. But... Now, Stu, I noticed you tweeted last night um, after the game about Brendan Rodgers, an excellent manager. And we'll, I'd like to talk to you about Brendan shortly. Yeah. But let's get on to what you said about Madison, that there was an excellent post-match interview. Uh, it must have been away when they did the media training. Yeah, he's <laughs> self-confident. He's interesting too. What is it about James Madison makes him different? Ah, that was just so refreshing is the word that comes to mind after listening to him last night, Rob. Because let's be honest, those post-match interviews, you know, very rarely does anything significant from a player come out of that. And in many ways, you can understand it. You know, it's different if you or I sit down with a player for an hour and have a proper one-on-one -on -one chat away from the camera, or if, a, for that matter, a broadcast journalist does in that situation. But when it's straight after a game, one of those flash interviews, you don't expect to hear an awful lot, let's be honest, other than an awful lot of cliches. And last night, it was just <laughs> it was like four and a half minutes of, uh, of, of gold dust post-match. It wasn't just what he said, it was how he said it as well. He spoke with real personality. 
And lots of people talk about Madison's self-confidence. Well, you know, Matt will know better than me. Self-confidence is a really important thing to have as a player if you're going to go to the top. But he didn't in any way come across as arrogant. He was just really, really interesting and dropping into the, you know, his first answer, I think he dropped into the conversation about the tactical changes Brendan made at halftime. And he said, you know, we went from, uh, you know, out of possession, we were we were 4-4-2, we were 4-3-3 in possession. You know, players don't normally throw in those little really interesting comments that tell you, you know, not just what happened, but why it happened and how it happened. So... Yeah, it was just a, it was a really really good interview, and even when at the end Jeff Shrewsbury sort of started to you know give him a little prod about the the title, he he handled all of that brilliantly and was you know apologetically mentioning cliches at that point, but also saying you know there's a reason why we're where we are, and that's because we're not getting caught up in that kind of talk. So. I just listened to it and often I was sort of, you know, that's just almost background noise, dare I say, at the post-match interview in that situation. But there I was like captivated by it and hearing about him talk about his own career as well and his own development this season, how he, you know, referenced that comment from Carragher about the need to get his, his numbers up and what he's done to change his game, coming a little bit deeper, arriving in the box at the right time, talked about trying to smell those opportunities. <laughs> it's it absolutely, it was brilliant. And something that I guess... Yeah, of course, we've got a vested interest in this. Players coming out with interesting quotes post-match, Rob. That's what we want. That's what we sort of, um, you know, live and breathe on to an extent, those bits that we can write around at times. But I think actually a lot of football fans, you could see the reaction on Twitter last night, actually thought, you know, it didn't matter whether you're a Leicester fan or you like Madison. Lots of people were saying, how brilliant to hear a player talking normally after a game, not having been through that kind of filter system where... It is all about, well, you know, yeah, it was a good three points and, you know, we just move on to the next game. It was so much more than that, which was which was great. Well, we all love it when the curtain is drawn back. I mean, that's what the athletics all about. We try to draw back that curtain on a daily basis. But when a player does it as well, Matt, I'll bring you on this, about set pieces, how they identified that Chelsea switch off from set pieces. And then, lo and behold, Leicester haven't scored from a set piece all season. They get the opening goal from a short corner routine that they've worked upon. The fact that he'd given us a bit of detail and, and, and confess that is what they've been working on on the training ground, the build-up to that game. It was very revealing. Yeah, it was. Um, the, uh, the, the tactical and technical aspect of the game is something that Brendan Rodgers you know, is, is very detailed on. He might not actually appreciate Madison being so free-speaking <laughs> about such instances, really, because you know he's, he's given away uh, a, a few little details of how Brendan operates there. But uh, yeah, I, I think it was clear that Leicester had earmarked that as a potential way of, of, of damaging Chelsea because it was clearly evident on a couple of occasions early on in the game, wasn't it? Just moments prior to the actual corner that Leicester benefited from indirectly. By the way, are we actually claiming that as a set-piece goal? I don't <laughs> think the plan was for Wilf to be on the end of it. I think Harvey was, but he, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he kicked it and it fell through to Nididi. And for once, he didn't hit the corner flag. He hit the uh, back of the net. Exactly. Well worked as it was. It was uh, slightly unintended, but you take what you can, isn't it? You know, when the, the numbers are such as they are for Leicester at set-pieces. But just prior to that, um, Harvey Barnes got in and put in a delightful cross with his left foot which I think Abraham's knocked away for the corner. Chelsea was slow and sluggish to react in that. And it's little bits like that that I think Chelsea supporters will be highly critical of Frank Lampard, you know, and the players, because that's basic elementary defending and you've got to be switched on better than that. But Leicester, quick to take advantage. Madison was obviously part of that as well because he's a big influence on Leicester's team. And I liked about his interview, you know, many things to 
to like about it and it seems to have sort of captivated a lot of people's imagination but it, it just showed he's a bright sharp-minded individual and that reflects in his play doesn't it and uh, he's bouncing around he reminds me of a, a thunderbirds character there where he's just his head's bobbing around he's full of energy and enthusiasm and excitement of what he's doing along with his teammates at the moment and again you can see that in leicester city's play but uh another, another thing it sort of brought to mind is, Leicester, not so long ago, I think even you mentioned it, Rob, he was saying, oh, Leicester too nice. And at times, I think they have been guilty of that. But at the moment, no, not for me, because you look through, they've got some real strong personalities throughout the team as well. You know, the Vardy's quite a spiky character, isn't he? Madison, of course, cheeky chappy. Fafana's got a little bit of personality about him, hasn't he? He's a, you know, Soyuncu's aggressive, Schmeichel's a strong personality. And even the others who are quite mild-mannered have got steely determination about them. And, you know, I think that doesn't do them any harm, as well as having the football capability and the tactical and technical now that Brendan Rodgers brings to them. You know, it's a good mix and a good blend at the moment, for sure. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Well, we're talking about young players that are developed under Brendan Rodgers, uh, Madison, Harvey Barnes, James Justin, who the way he's developing, he's got to be a shout, a strong shout for the next England squad when that's uh, announced. Wesley Fofana was outstanding last night. Unfortunately for Justin, I thought he had one of his, not not weaker games, but it wasn't his best game against Southampton. He, he was steady. He was a little bit shaky, as Leicester were generally early on, but he grew into the game. But And Gareth Southgate was at that. As far as I'm aware, he, he didn't attend last night's fixture, but uh, he would have done well to, to have observed... Justin's performance, it, it was it was exceptional. I, uh, I, I thought amongst many, many wonderful performances, Fafana, of course, included in that for me. Justin was a standout player. I'm sure others may disagree, probably yourself included, Rob. He was exemplary. Like I say, just the confidence of the, up against the quality of opposition. You know, he, he has really come on. And uh, Ricardo, who, who came on, but in an advanced position, may have to get used to playing in, in that area of the pitch for a little while yet because Justin's going nowhere soon. Absolutely. Stuart, I just want to bring you in on, on Brendan, talking about the development of the younger players, but also the older players as well. Jamie Vardy, now you've done a number of uh, excellent interviews with, with Jamie over the years. We've got a cracking one that you did during lockdown with Vards as well about how he talked about how his games changed under Brendan. But also, you know Brendan quite well from his days going back to Swansea and you had um, the privilege of spending quite a bit of time down the training ground. Can you just give us some, some insight into to Brendan Rogers, how he works, the real Brendan, because there's this, this the perception in certain areas of the media that he's this and that from his days at Liverpool. But my dealings with him, he's just been an absolute delight to work with. And, uh, and, and we're seeing that consistently now, Leicester City are up there challenging. Yeah, and I think that's important, isn't it, Rob? I think you know, from my perspective, like anything in life, and I don't know if Matt feels the same, you, you judge people on, on your experiences with them. You know, you can't let other people's opinions, yes, you listen to them, but colour them too much when you feel like you've got a reasonable understanding of how that person works and, and what they're like as a person. And I mean, I did something 
at Swansea uh, way back when they were in the Premier League, went down in, and spent a day with him, uh, watched him sort of at work on the training ground and in his, well, I can't even call it an office. It was like a broom cupboard in a fitness centre there, which is incredible when you think about they were a Premier League club at the time, especially when you think about Leicester's training ground now. And then, yes, last season I, I had a sort of similar experience with him when I you know, when, when I went down in, uh, and watched uh, them training that day and, and Brendan putting on a session. And, and then it's just interesting being in his office actually afterwards. I remember Dennis knocking on the door in the middle of the interview, Dennis Pratt, and uh, Brendan sort of reacting initially like, uh, you know, who's interrupting now kind of thing. And then his voice softened straight when Dennis came in and then he started talking. He said, did you see that pass Stuart, that he played the other day against Palace, that unbelievable moment? And, it, and the interaction between the two of them just felt really, really natural. And then as Dennis left, he sort of started, it was all on the record, so I'm not breaking any confidences here. He started talking then about how you have to handle players like that who aren't in the team at the time, but who want to be in the team. And and I just think that's one of his, he's got lots of skills. He's obviously a very, very good coach. And that shone through at Swansea back in the, his time there. But I think also he's really, really good at connecting with people. I'm not just a team environment but one-on-one -on -one as well and he you know he, he often talks about when he first meets a player trying to find out what that player really wants from not just this period now but from their career in its entirety and I think that's what he liked about working with Sterling when he he said St Sterling had this incredible drive to sort of be the best that he could be and and I, I sense that sort of work you know helping Leicester massively you know you, you see you listen to Vards talking about how he used to press and you know, obviously Matt would have seen this when he was certainly in his early days when he chased all around the pitch almost and the crowd loved it because no one loves anything more than, you know, someone um, chasing down a lost cause and, uh, and, and and all the rest. But basically Brendan wanted him to use that energy better and felt there were points, he said, where, you know, Vards didn't need to be running from the left back to the right back and actually could do more effective and more efficient running that would then allow him to help the team more in a way. So I think things like that are an example of little things he's seen and identified and, and that's work kind of has gone on all over the pitch. But I think he's part of that, obviously, that almost new breeder manager that came through a while ago who, who was more of a coach than, a, than the manager. And that is where his work is brilliant on the training brand, but also in that kind of emotional connection that he has with people. I do think he's had some unfair stick over times. You know, that Liverpool team, you look back and people will say, oh, they choked. Well, actually, they they really probably should have been nowhere near the title that season anyway. Um, he, he overachieved to get them in that position. So, you know, and, and a further point, Rob, it's funny, like last night, I'm obviously I'm more detached from it than you and Matt. You know, there was a time when I was going to all the Leicester games, you know, as you know, but my role's changed now. And I was thinking back to that title winning campaign, which, which was unbelievable. And, you know, in terms of my journalistic career, as good as it gets covering a magical story like that. And then at the time you sort of thought, there's going to be a reset now. They can't go from relegation contenders to sort of title winners to just stay in around the top four. And obviously it did. The following season was really tough under Ranieri and for a moment they were in relegation trouble. And I was looking last night thinking, that's unbelievable that they're back there again now. I'm not saying they're going to win the league, but they are. And for the last couple of years, they've been like seen as a really, really top club. The days of thinking, well... You know, Leicester are a middle-of-the-road Premier League club at best. They're long gone. And I think that says an awful lot for Leicester in terms of the owner and obviously Vichai before, but also what Brendan's done in coming back. Because for me, I felt the club was drifting prior to him coming back in. Not, not drifting as in the bottom half of the Premier League, but it was just running along almost. And I think his appointment, I don't know how Matt feels, I'm sure you've gone over all this, but really is the catalyst for... 
for where Leicester are now. And you can see them staying there. It's such a good group of players, but it's got a really good coach behind it. And they belong in that top six now, in my eyes. And, and I just think that's an amazing achievement because it could very easily, after the title-winning campaign, have just slipped back to normal a little bit. And, and it hasn't in any way. Well, Matt... This is the third season, the last six, including the 15-16 season when they won the title, that they've been up there at the halfway stage. 39 points they had after 19 games in 15-16. They're 39 points at the same stage last season, but they were second to, to Liverpool. 38 points now. That's that's consistency, isn't it, over six years? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a measure of where Leicester City are. It's, it, it wasn't a one-season wonder, was it? A, OK, the extremes of actually going and winning the Premier League will forever stay in people's memories. And uh, even if it was to happen again, who knows, maybe this season, that achievement will will never be surpassed in terms of, sort of drama and unexpectedness. But, uh, but yeah, they, they, they just look a very complete outfit. <laughs> Their flexibility to, to play and win in different ways as well has been developed. And uh, with a lesser squad and team, Leicester, as you say, have, have been in this position uh, more often than not since that title win. They haven't been able to maintain it or sustain it as, as well as they would have hoped. And that hopefully will be the difference this, this campaign, because I think without doubt the intention is to initially you know, try and secure that Champions League position. If the title itself becomes a possibility, then so be it. But uh, the, you know, the aim is to just progress that little bit further and and, and be uh, a little bit more of a force. And this time, just keep it going all the way through. And the signs are good at the moment, aren't they? I think they've got more to their game than they did last season. The first half of the season, they were on the rampage and just pressed the life out of teams and everything was working for them. When they came a little bit unstuck, they weren't quite sure where to go. But this season, Leicester have got many more strings to their bow, really, because yeah, for me, they, they can they can still press teams and force the issue. They can sit deep and play on the counter still, as they have done many times away from home. They're adjusting to that in terms of applying that at home as well at, at times. But they can also control the game and keep possession and dictate the tempo. So you know, there's, there's variety to their play and the players are adapting to that. And that all emanates for me from... The manager, Brendan Rodgers, as Stuart's just been talking about there, you know, his his tuition really is being followed to the T, isn't it? And uh, Brendan has that, he's, he's got like a comprehensive understanding of the, what the job entails, isn't he? All aspects of it, like you say, the man management, the technical side, the, the fitness, the intensity of the sessions, all these things are paying dividends and uh, it's looking good without getting carried away. But, um, you know, it couldn't be much more positive at the moment, could it? That's for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres May 2nd on FX. Stream on Hulu. Stu, last season, they were at a really strong position at halfway stage. Only won six of their final games in the second half of the campaign, fell away. They seem to me a lot a stronger unit. The, the younger players like Madison and Barnes, we mentioned, are better. They've learnt more, they're more experienced. He's added to that squad as well and strengthened it with Fafana and Castagna. They are in a better place. I mean, I know we're going to talk about, people are going to talk about the title race. And they don't really include Leicester City in that. And mm. Leicester City might not go on and win the title. But don't you think they deserve to be included in that conversation now? 100%. I can't see how they cannot be included in it, Rob. I, honestly, I don't. And in a way, you know, yeah, last season, I, it, it was obviously a big disappointment and, and a surprise that the team tailed off like it did. Because, I mean, I, I remember going to interview Vards. Oh, we lose track of time. Every day feels the same, doesn't it, in this world at the minute? But I'm trying to think when that was. But that, was, that must have been, I don't know, June time. And it felt like Champions League football was a formality then. Obviously, it wasn't mathematically, but it, it, I couldn't see Leicester not doing it. So it was so... Uh, strange that it unravelled in the way it did but I do think they'll be better for that experience I think you're right there's younger players there who will have who will have improved from that and and yeah they've made some fantastic you know signings you have to say that the recruitment has been superb you know if we were a little bit critical of the recruitment after the title winning season then wow you know it's it's been it's been absolutely excellent of late and yeah obviously you know Brendan and Leicester are reaping the rewards from that but I don't see how they can't be seriously in that conversation two things really Primarily because of how good Leicester are, but also because of the inconsistencies of others as well. And that's not taking anything away from Leicester because I want to focus on that first point. They are a really, really good team. But I also think there's an opportunity there. I think Ollie did a piece for us, didn't he, the other day talking about, you know, the point total at this stage being, um, I think, I remember, I think he probably looked at it and thought when Leicester won it, it must have been, you know, maybe lower than what it is now. And it, and it wasn't actually. Um, so I think it's there for Leicester now. To, I'm not saying win the title, but I, th- I really do think they can go on and get in the top four. And, and no one will like playing them. But it's not just what Matt said there. You know, they've, they've got different ways to play. I think, you know, that's what makes them so, so difficult to come up against because they've got... Such a lovely blend of player in that team. That's what I see. I, I guess the one, if there was a concern for me, and I, we've probably said this, or you've probably said, I don't know for years, and you probably know what I'm going to say. What happens if Ards was out for an extended period of time? What would be the, what would be the impact of that? I don't know, Matt. What do you think on that? How would how would they, Leicester deal without Vards for a period? Well, yeah, of course, it, it, it would be a blow uh, for any team to lose someone of Vardy's quality. But although I think they've got the capability to deal with it. More so now than in times gone by. You're right, me and Rob have spoken about that previously. And uh, there's been a little bit of a concern, maybe, that the over-reliance on Vardy in, in terms of goal scoring. But that's been spread around. People are sharing the load now and more and more players are contributing. So, you know, seemingly it's less of an issue. Although, of course, you know, you, it's vital that Vardy stays fit because even when he's not firing on all cylinders, he's still... Massively important to Leicester City, but uh, I mean, just going back to the point quickly there about Leicester being recognised or considered as you know possible champions, contenders. But 
Leicester supporters will get slightly disgruntled that they perhaps don't get the acknowledgement regularly enough. But I don't think Leicester City players will mind one iota, and certainly the manager won't, because as James Madison mentioned, they're just carry on in the background, doing their bits, keep performing, keep developing. And if they keep doing that and playing as they are, there will come a point when to turn the screw and people will sit up and genuinely take notice. And that's the time that, that Leicester really need to sort of um, steady their nerve, shall we say. And I, I think they did that in the, in the title winning season. Ranieri played it down, didn't he, all season? Oh, no, we, we have 42 points. And when we are safe, then I'll celebrate. And, you know, just kept it at that. And then eventually it became blindingly obvious that they were contenders. And then I, I think you know, he, he flicked the switch a little bit and went, right, come on then. We're in this. We've got nothing to lose. Let's go for it. Let's go all guns blazing, give it our all. And hopefully there'll be a time for Leicester City to do that. But for now, I think they're content just getting on with their own business. You're right there, Matt. He played that narrative beautifully, yeah. didn't he, really, Rob, looking back? That that was what it was like. It, it was bit by bit. You know, for ages, it was it was survival, get to 40 points. And then all of a sudden, he sort of mentioned the Europa League. And we're like, Europa League? You can go and win the Premier League. And he, and he was like, no, 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 mathematically, we can get in Europe. And then it was, we got in the Champions League. And then all of a sudden, yeah, spot on. It's come back into my head that he just suddenly went... We got to go for it now, and we were like, "Whoa, we've been sort of saying that. We've been saying that for months." And you're thinking, "Yeah." And there's a good reason why he hasn't been saying that for months. For all what you just explained, and and Brendan obviously would be, you know, totally in tune with that. So there's nothing wrong. You're right from inside the club with Leicester being a dark horse here. But for me, as a detached observer, I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to talk them up and say they're going to win the league, but I'm going to say they they've got a great chance of getting in the top four, and I think that they are an excellent, excellent team. I don't think, though, we'll have a moment where Brendan turns or dilly-ding-dilly-dong, though, this season. I can remember that moment. It was after the West Ham game when there was a bit of negativity about because Jamie Vardy was serving a suspension, being sent off, uh, dropped points, and needed a last-minute penalty. And there seemed a little bit of a negativity in a press conference, and he suddenly just slapped the desk and went, come on, man, we're Champions League, dilly-ding-dilly-dong. And it just changed the whole mood in the press conference, the whole direction of the press conference. And that was when he started to talk about more ambitious stuff, and uh, they certainly kicked on in the end of the season. But I don't think we're going to get that on Brendan. And if we do, it's only, it's going to be on Zoom, unfortunately. So, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but it promises to be a fantastic second half of the season, a very exciting one for all Leicester City fans. Stu, thank you very much for your insight and uh, our readers, you can read his excellent work on the Athletic website now. And Matt, once again, thank you very much for all your pearls of wisdom as well. And I'm sure you'll be joining us on the next edition of 5,000 to 1. To all you listeners, please tune in again next time. Thank you. The Athletic.